One of the things I like to do is to bake the boys' birthday cakes. It's really the only time I bake. And a couple years ago, Charlie said, you know, I don't, I don't want you to bake one of your cakes. I didn't take offense to it. He said he wanted those gourmet cupcakes. So I planned, I prepared, I went to a store. I got six of the most beautifully decorated cupcakes. I brought them home the night before his birthday and I stored them in the microwave. And I woke up the next morning, opened up that microwave and y'all, the cupcakes were walking. There were so many ants everywhere. And I, I don't do ants. I had messed up in that I had gotten this really awesome idea and prepared accordingly, but I hadn't stored them correctly. And I use this example that seems really silly and trite on purpose to tee up that today we're going to talk about money. And the reason being is that money really is just another thing to be consumed. It's another thing that we can store up. It's another thing that we can use. It's another thing that we can share. But for some reason, we tend to give to money a value that really is not inherent. We give power to money, and it it really has none. We actually call it good or evil, and and it's neither. It it really has no intrinsic value, and Jesus knew this. We're going to continue to look at the Sermon on the Mount today where Jesus is saying all those things that culture say make you glitter and will give a happy and a blessed and a content life, those will not last. Although they might give you contentment, it is but for a moment. And this is also true of the things that our religious culture says will make us worthy. If we pray in a certain way, if we give in a certain way, All through the Sermon on the Mount, he is saying, consider what are the intentions of your heart. Do the insides match the outsides? And so I want to go ahead and admit this this text makes me very uncomfortable. And and I assume it's going to make a lot of us in this room a little uncomfortable, a little fidgety, because we don't talk. We were more likely to talk about sex in church than we are to talk about money. But this is Jesus's commands to us. So y'all, I encourage us to approach it with the same grace that Stacy just offered to us that is given when we confess. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, our culture says, show me the money. We are so drawn in by what we see, by even the very friends around us, maybe even in this very space this morning, this desire to want more. God, remind us this day where we can find abundant life, where we can find the good and blessed and content life. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need it. We know our world needs it as well. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Here again, the word of our Lord from Matthew, the sixth chapter. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body 
will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus is sitting on a hillside 2,000 years ago. He's just, he taught his disciples then, and he, he's teaching us now that all those things that the culture say will give you the good life, the content life, the blessed life, they will give it to you for a brief period of time, but in the end, they will fail you. And additionally, all the things that even religious culture, even your church is telling you will make you worthy before God. That is not true. It is about what is going on inside. And the reason is this, for some crazy ridiculousity of God, God decided that the light of Christ would be spread throughout the world through us. So actually, our actions really do matter in terms of the world knowing who Jesus is. And so our actions must be an overflow of what is coming out of the heart. We must be light in the way we treat our spouses and our children. We must be light in the way that we love our enemies. And we must be light in the way we handle our money. I want to make sure y'all know that nowhere in scripture does God or Jesus say that money is bad or money is evil or that money is wrong. Jesus is actually going to give us some really good financial advice today. And he starts this scripture by telling us how we are to invest our money. Notice, Jesus doesn't say, don't store up treasures. Jesus knows that it's important for us to be financially secure. We need to make sure to store up our treasures. But, because Jesus knows there's going to be days when our circumstances are going to change. I mean, in first century, it could have been a drought. You know, it, it could have been a flood. So it is important to be wise with our resources. He affirms investing our treasures, but Jesus says, do it wisely. It's important for us to remember the context in which he is speaking because most of the crowd that would have been hearing this 2,000 years ago would have been peasants who lived in houses of straw and mud. And so if someone decided not to store up their grain correctly and it was then spoiled by bugs, it affected the health of the whole family. If it was a certain man's responsibility to harvest all of the olive oil for a little village and then that man did not store the olive oil correctly, the entire health of the village would be jeopardized. Remember, in these times, there, there was no HVAC system to keep the goods together. There was no Brinks security system. Jesus says, you have to make sure that you're storing it up carefully. All these gifts that we have, whatever treasure that we have then and now, whether it's the water that so easily pours out of our taps in the morning that we don't even think about it, or the Chick-fil-A that our children buy from our school district twice a week, all of this is a gift from God. 
And as the stewards of these gifts, the question is, are we wise in how we are taking care of them? Do I let the food in my pantry expire? Do we have shoes that accumulate dust? Have we been saying to ourselves over and over, we should really clean out that storage unit. All it is doing is collecting dust and we don't even really know what's in there. Friends, we should clean it out. And we should stop storing up our treasures as things that we just kind of hold on to, most of which we've forgotten we even had. I'm going to ask um, Jack to put up this picture. It's going to remind you of that movie Christmas Vacation. And, and so Clark Griswold, he goes up to the attic to put his wife's Christmas present. And when he goes to stick it in that little hole right there, he can't fit it in. And so he reaches his hands and what does he pull out? Her Valentine's present from that year. He blows on it. It's covered in dust. And he kind of looks at it like, well, guess I forgot that. Jesus says to us, store up treasures, yes, but store up treasures in ways that cannot be affected by weather or bugs or ants. Store them up in heaven. Whenever Jesus uses the word heaven in Matthew's gospel, y'all, heaven is a place that we go when we die, but heaven is also here. The kingdom of heaven is here. You see, heaven is the place where God is on the throne. Heaven is the place in those moments when you feel the peace, you feel the contentment of Christ, you feel the joy of Christ. Jesus asks, t- teaches us later, when you pray, you pray, our Father who art in heaven. And then in Beatitudes, he says, those who are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it is now and it is not yet. God is not just sitting on a throne in heaven waiting for us to die to experience the abundant life of Christ. You see, wherever God is, wherever you experience comfort, endless comfort, joy, joy that the world cannot provide, that is where God is. That is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, store up your treasures there. Store up your treasures where God is, places where there is always enough, not too little, where things feel sufficient, not less than. See, if our treasures are being stored up in places where these are absent, places where we know there is a lack of integrity, or places where we know that there is deceit, or places where we know that all it is doing is building up fear Places where we feel it's just being stored there because it gives us more control or more power or more security, the treasures will rust. They will rot. They will be stolen. And then Jesus pushes us even further, and this is where it really starts to get deep into Emily's heart. He says, because where you choose your treasure, that is where your heart is also. And he doesn't just mean an organ. In first century, the heart literally meant the seat of who a person was. Your heart was an indicator of your very character, of who you were. It was the core of a person. And he says, you can't serve two masters. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I was feeling okay. I didn't ever think of my treasures as a master. And then I looked up what the word was that he used. 
The word that Jesus uses for master in this passage is kurios, which means Lord. Wait a second. Money, my treasures as a Lord? I want to make sure you know that money has no intrinsic or moral value. It's neither evil nor good. And Jesus is just challenging us. Push against what the culture says will bring you a happy and blessed life. But remember, remember that heaven is where God is Lord. So when money becomes our Lord, we are less likely to experience the gifts of the kingdom. When we attribute to money the power and the worth and we expect, expect it to give us a contentedness that only can come from God, we are going to left want, be left wanting The times when Charlie and I have been most financially secure have been no indicator of our happiness or contentment. Sure, those times, they felt good. That was one less thing for us to worry about. But if our relationship is not thriving, if our children are not thriving, if my personal relationship with Jesus is out of touch, the financial security means nothing. Jesus knew that this would hit so hard on the hillside and forever. When I take a hard look at the right family budget, at first glance, I think we're storing up treasures in heaven. We're pouring into our children. We're we're trying to gain them a financial future and, and we are focusing on our church. Mortgage, tithe, don't forget food. We have three boys in our house and college savings. After that, there's the typical expenses of a family, right? And then after that, though, those are what I call the keeping up with the Joneses line items. And I'm not sure I want you to see those. I get so easily caught up in thinking that if I just have the right glittery stuff, whatever that be for the season, new kitchen cabinets, new car, then once I get that, then I'm going to experience contentment. Then I'm going to experience comfort. Then I'm going to experience kind of that lack of loneliness that we might feel. And this is the lie that Jesus is confronting. None of those treasures can ever offer to us true contentment, true comfort, true, true compassion. All that glitters is not gold. The treasures of this world can never give to us the things that can only come from God, period. No one can serve both God and wealth. And let's face it, all of us are wealthy in this room. None of us considered how we would get our water this morning. Most of us came here in a car or on a bus. And last night we didn't go to bed hungry. We parked our car in a garage that is bigger than the size of most people's homes in our world. So how can we, as disciples of Christ, in our unique situation, we find ourselves here in Austin, how can we not let money be our master? Because Jesus is telling us, if we can do this right, we are literally going to be light in our world. I don't think we can just speak of it. I don't think we can just pray a prayer of confession that we're we're gonna try not to covet. And I don't think we can just say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to think of it in a different way. We're going to think of money in a different way. I think we have to intentionally choose to not let money have a master over us. We have to use our money in such a way that we take away the power that culture says is in it. 
So 20th century French theologian Jacques Ellul, he says this wise thing. He says, we must deprive money of its sacred character and power. We must bring money back to its role as just a material. And then he says this, that I want to be such an encouragement to you. Encouragement to you. He says, there is one act, one act par excellence, which profanes money. It goes directly against the law of money, an act for which money is not made. And this is the act, giving, giving, giving is the act that penetrates grace into the world of competition and selling and wanting more. I want you to know I have never been part of a community of faith in my whole life that gets this more than you all. You astound your session and your staff on a daily basis at the generosity that you exhibit through your giving. We are living out this, this, this premise that to much whom has been given, much is required. All that we have is God's, especially our money. And we are to be the best stewards of that as possible. Jesus challenges us to consider, though, how much control are we giving to our money? How much worth, power, contentment are we placing into it? If we want to build up our hearts with more contentment, with more peace, with more joy, we need to put it into the kingdom of heaven. I don't want anything to be my master, and yet I so often let money and treasures and and acquiring control me. Jesus is turning the world upside down and he is literally giving us the tools to be light and salt in our world. And I want to, I want to be honest with y'all. I really believe our world needs it. And I really, really believe that Jesus can offer it to the world. That we're not just showing up here on a Sunday morning and proclaiming our faith in Jesus because it's just habit. I want all of us to realize we actually have a gift to offer to a world that is hungry for something to fill a hole that the culture cannot fill, that goods cannot fill, that drugs and alcohol, that even relationships cannot fill. And that is the person of Jesus. So I want you to join me in examining where are we storing our treasures? And may the power of the Holy Spirit encourage all of us to continue to be faithful stewards of all that we have for all that we have. Really, it is God's. Remember who it is that we serve this day. We do not serve money. Our master is God. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God in heaven, thank you for giving us courage. Thank you for giving us gifts. We are grateful for the treasures that we have. Help us, God, to put all of our treasure into those things that are going to be building up your kingdom. May we take away the the power that we've given to wealth. May we profane it through our radical generosity. God, direct us in the way that we consider our treasures this day, that it may glorify you. In Christ's name, amen.